0: Well, as John said, my name is Derek, and I just want to welcome everybody here. We are starting a brand new series today called Oh, The Places You Will Go. And um, there was a place I really, really wanted to go uh, after my senior year of college. I wanted to go to Ocean City, Maryland. I don't know if we have any Ocean City fans in the house, but I wanted to go there. I wanted to be a beach bum. And so I managed to convince about eight of my fraternity brothers that they should spend their summer with me in a little three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath place on 64th Street in Ocean City. And let me tell you, it was an awesome, awesome summer. We had a great time. And we all got just summer beach jobs, and I was delivering pizzas for Domino's. And uh, I remember we were like two weeks into the summer, and I was I was working one Saturday night. I was working the late shift. I think my shift ended around 2 or so. And I loved the late shift because what they would do is any canceled orders or any pizzas that got messed up or whatever, they would take all those pizzas and they'd stack them up on top of the oven and just to keep them nice and warm. And then any employee who wanted those pizzas at the end of the night could just take them home with them. And so I remember leaving that night. and uh, And there were two things that I had on my mind. One was those pizzas. And the other was that I really had to go to the bathroom. And I know that might be a little too much information, but it'll make sense in a moment. Um, so, but the food always wins out in any sort of argument with me. So, so I grabbed the pizza, and I was like, I gotta, let's just go. I gotta get home. My, my, my house is only a block away from where I worked. So I remember I pulled up. And uh, and I remember hearing music as I got out of my car. And we had a bunch of friends that had come into town. And out on the, the front porch, there was a, a, like a stereo system with music playing and a bunch of people hanging out. And I remember pushing my way through this sea of people trying to protect like a football player, you know, protect my pizza, and to try and get back into the back bedroom. So we go, me and like two of my buddies, we go back into the back bedroom. We're sitting on the floor. Uh, Doors locked, you know, it's only like one pizza per person, so I mean, you know, couldn't let anybody else in. And, And we're sitting there eating pizza, and the next thing you know, my buddy Chris knocks on the door. And he says, hey, guys, no big deal. And you know that's never good when someone starts out saying that. So he goes, hey, no big deal. But um, the police are here. I guess somebody called. We were making too much noise. So they want to see IDs of you know, people on the lease or whatever. So OK. OK, fine. I hop up. Still haven't gone to the bathroom because I was really, really starving. OK. So um, walk out there and get to the front porch. I hand the guy my ID. He says, uh, sir, you live here? I said, yeah. He said, OK, great. Turn around. Put your hands behind your back. Click, click, you are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. <laughs> for a noise violation? Like, no warning. No, this was the first the first time, okay? The first time that summer this happened. Actually, the only time that summer that it happened. Big surprise there. So actually, Ocean City, 1998, you would go to jail for a noise violation. No joke. So um, there were three of us from the house who... Um, who were carted off to the Ocean City Jail, which conveniently was just one block away on 65th Street. So that worked out great. And I'm sitting in this detention room, my handcuff to the wall, and um, while about 20 or so of the finest, most upstanding members of society were sitting with me, as you might imagine, as they took our shoes and our shoelaces and anything we could like harm ourselves with, you know, and getting into the the garb and mug shots and fingerprints. I mean, it was just like going to the spa or something. It was just fantastic. And so like a couple hours go by. And of course, I've only got one thing on my mind, right? I got to find a bathroom. I mean, I have got to find a bathroom. And I said, is there any way I can go to the bathroom? They said, you can go right there in your pants if you want. Uh, you can wait until you get into your cell. So I'm walking down. I'm just like, I'm so excited. Finally, after a couple hours, I'm like walking to my cell. Never been so excited to go to a jail cell in my life. But I, here I go. And I'm, you know, I'm walking down. And then to my horror, I get to my jail cell. And as they're just about to open it up, I see that there is a toilet there, but right next to the toilet is the one bed. This is a two-bed cell. And right next to the toilet is the biggest, meanest dude that I have ever seen in my life laying there asleep. He wasn't asleep for very long because, you know, they're clanging in the cell and it's all metal and concrete. And it's like, you know, it opens up and reverberates. And I just see this dude, you know, laying there, just spilling off the bed because he's so big. And I just see these two big bloodshot eyes just open up and they just kind of look me up and down, and then they close again, and I'm thinking, I have got to go. I mean, the toilet is right next to the dude's bed. The cell is like, you know, the size of a postage stamp. And so you know what I'm doing? I'm peeing and I'm praying. I am peeing and I'm praying for what seemed like an eternity, okay? And then I go and I lay down on my little metal bed on the other side of that wall and I got my butt pressed up against the wall, you know, and I am just saying, oh God, do not let tonight be the night that you take me home. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just, it was, it was awful. It was absolutely terrible. I don't know anyone here who would say that they've ever spent a night in jail and it was great, okay? But I mean, my, my jail experience was absolutely terrible. Well, today... Uh, and throughout this series, we are going to be looking at a letter that was actually written from prison. And so we're going to jump right in today and then throughout the next couple of months as we look at this letter, and um, we'll, we'll explain it as we go. Here's how it starts. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So this is the author of that letter, the apostle Paul. Many of you have heard of this guy, arguably the, the famous, most famous Christ follower in human history, started churches all over the Mediterranean, wrote much of the New Testament. So here he is saying, okay, I'm Paul, and I'm writing, here we go, to God's holy people in Ephesus, this was this is modern-day Turkey, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So Paul, a follower of Jesus Christ, is writing to other followers of Jesus Christ. That's important for you to know. And then he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is like kind of the standard salutation 2,000 years ago. It's, you know, hey guys, you know, whatever, just greetings. And then where the letter, where he begins his charge to to um, this group of people starts in verse 3. And check it out. I just want you to notice the tone. Remember, the man is in prison, okay? He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody else see a little disconnect there? I mean, we're not talking about like Ocean City noise violation jail here, you know, getting out the next day and getting some community service hours. No, 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 no. The reason Paul is in jail is because he has been going around telling everybody in the Roman Empire where Caesar is Lord, he's a deity to be worshiped, Okay? And he's going around saying, yeah, actually, that guy Jesus that you guys killed, well, he's not dead. He's alive. He actually is God. And he's the Lord of the land, not Caesar. Well, that's going to get you in trouble real quick. And in fact, he's in prison in Rome, and basically, he's on death row. I mean, he knows what's coming. You just knew what was happening in those days. You were on a hit list. And so this man is basically imprisoned, waiting to be killed. And here he is, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How in the world can you be so joyful in jail? We're going to talk about that today. So as I said, this series is called, Oh, the Places You Will Go. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to want to hang with us for the next few Sundays, July and August and into the beginning of September, this letter will take you places in your life. I am not kidding around about this. So today we're going to do the first half of the first chapter. And then next week, this letter is going to take us to new places in our relationship with God as we finish out the second half of chapter 1. And then... In two weeks, as we get into chapter two, we are going to go to places of deeper understanding of God's love and grace. You're not going to want to miss two Sundays from now. And then in three Sundays, this letter is going to take us to places of healing and reconciliation in our relationships. As we get into the month of August and we journey further into this incredible letter, we're going to learn how to make a difference in the lives of other people. And then we're going to get super, super, super practical And the letter really just starts to spell out for us, how do we live this life well? We start to get into some topics like how to have a great marriage and how to be a good parent and how to be good to your parents. And finally, um, early September, this series is going to culminate with the final chapter of the letter that is talking all about how do we find the strength that we need for the journey, that strength that endures. And so these are the places... That we're going to go, but here's the deal: we will not get there if we don't start at the right starting point. We will not. I remember um, it was about ten years ago now that this church began a relationship with a family down in Sao Paulo, Brazil. We had someone at Grace who was from Brazil, from that area, and she introduced us to this amazing couple named Mazzino and Ana. Charisma, And um, great couple. They had three biological children of their own, and they had a great life going. He was a very successful businessman. And, uh, and God just rocked their world and basically put it on their hearts that they were supposed to do something about all the homelessness and, and all the children on the streets of Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so um, they just started to open up their home, and they started to take in some, some children. And, um, and God really took things from there. So this might blow your mind a little bit. But um, over the past two plus decades, that couple has adopted over 30 children who now have the exact same last name. This is not like some temporary thing. This is like Charisma, you are part of this family. You are adopted into this family. A lot of them are grown and gone, but a lot of them are still, uh, still living at home and, and going to school and, and doing all that great stuff. And so we were just so inspired when we heard about Anna and Mazzino and, and the work that they were doing. And so um, church began supporting them. We actually continue to support them every month uh, to this day currently. And um, so we wanted to go down and, and meet this family, and I was really privileged because I got to be a part of that first team that went down to see them. And so um, I was arranging logistics and stuff, and I found this great group flight. Speaking of the right starting point, I found this great group flight. And um, I can not remember which airline it was, but one of the big ones. And they basically like, gave you a reduced rate, but you had to have everything kind of predetermined, no transfers, like no nothing. It was all really by the letter of the law. So the flight was like a 7 a.m. flight out of uh, Reagan. And... So we're figuring first flight of the day, you know, three hours. We could probably kind of fudge that a little bit, you know, two and a half, get there around 4.30. So, so okay, team, get there at 4.30. So we all show up to Reagan. Well, actually all but two of us who slept in or I don't know what happened, but you know, we were two people short. So I go up to uh, the first ticket agent. Uh, we didn't even get into the line or anything. And I just said, look, we got this group flight. Um, we don't have all of us here. Can we start to check in? And they said, absolutely not. You cannot check in until every single person from your team is here. Okay, so we're just hanging out. We're texting and calling and whatever. And okay, yeah, sorry, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. So an hour goes by. And finally, these last two people from our group come running in the doors. Okay, sorry, sorry, we're here. You know, carrying all their gear with them. We made it. Sorry, sorry. So okay, great. So we all hustle up to to the ticketing agent. And I say, okay, we're all here now. We're all here. She says, great. Where are you headed to? And I said, we're going to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And she says you're kidding I'm like what she goes you didn't get the email they changed that flight from Reagan it's flying out of Dulles this morning at seven. Oh man I'm like are you serious are we gonna miss the flight she's like I don't know but you better go so I'm telling you I have never seen a group of a dozen people move this quickly in my entire life with full bags and everything else we absolutely high-tail it to Dulles. I mean, we are heading down 66 on the Dulles Toll Road, and it was like a NASCAR event. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so so we we just busted over to Dulles. We come in there, man. We are just blazing a trail. We're getting tickets. We're checking in. Everything, you know, boom, we're going through security. and And all this is happening, but there's something that was cramping my style about all this. So we had somebody on our team that had the bright idea that what they wanted to do was they wanted to get t-shirts made up for us, for our team, all right? And I got to tell you, I am I am not in favor of the t-shirts um, on mission trips, because first of all, it's not really about us, you know what I'm saying? It's about the people we're going to serve, and it's about God ultimately. So I'm, I'm kind of philosophically not there, but the problem was this person had the great idea, and it was very generous of them, you know, and they just went ahead and got them produced. So can we see that picture? So they get these t-shirts produced, you know, there it is grace community church brazil 2005 like boom poster right there right now here's the thing i got one thing on my mind and it's not being a good christian okay i'm just trying to get to the gate that's all i'm worried about i don't have time if i knock over some old lady or some little kid to stop and like check and see if they're okay and can i get you anything i'm so sorry you know can i pray for you i mean i don't have time for that we got we got a flight to catch all right, so this is totally cramping our style as we're trying to get somebody. some of you, some of you know, you've taken that bumper sticker off the car because you knew that that just doesn't work in DC, you know? You got places that you need to go. And so anyway, it's driving me crazy. So we finally get there. They're holding the plane, like we get to the gate, you never know, you know, they're holding the gate for us. They're holding the gate for us. So we walk on a plane and here's the best part. Have you ever been on a flight where you're on and like you know there's something that's holding it up? Like there's some reason why they haven't closed the door. And you're sitting there going who in the world is that inconsiderate like that they could be that unorganized that here we are and i got my next connection and it's going to be tight where that why are we not closing that door and then all of a sudden somebody walks on you're like okay and here we go baby grace community church brazil 2005 don't ever wear those t-shirts okay okay it's just not a good idea but here's the cool thing we made the flight we we, we made it Feel free if you want to answer that phone. It's cool. All right? We made the flight, and, um, and it was all good. The trip was an incredible success. The reason I tell you that story is for this reason. We were not going anywhere out of Reagan National, were we? I mean, there was no way we were going to keep our agenda, our itinerary. We were not getting to Sao Paulo that day from that airport. The only way that we were going to make it to Sao Paulo, Brazil, was if we got to Dulles. That was the correct starting point for us. And I got to tell you that in this journey that God wants to take us on, the places he wants us to go, we must have the right starting point. We start out talking about Paul, this guy joyfully writing from jail. The reason that Paul has joy in jail is because he has the right starting point. And you say, what is that starting point? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to look again at verse 3, the rest of that verse. So we read the first part. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here he goes. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The reason that Paul can be praising God and can be so joyful, it's not for his earthly circumstances. You notice he's saying he's blessed us, how? With every spiritual blessing. Our earthly circumstances aren't always going to work out the way that we have kind of mapped them out in our own mind. But he's saying, but God, I thank you for the heavenly realities, the spiritual blessings that I have. And then he says that those blessings, and this is pointing to our starting point, are in Christ. See, the reality is that Jesus Christ is our starting point in the journey. Because the reality is this, if we think that we are going to get all the places that we want to go and all the places that God wants to take us. If, we're, if we think we're going to do that in our own strength, with our just our own willpower and just mustering enough grit and determination to overcome those obstacles and that adversity that comes in our way, and once we get discouraged, if we think that just kind of in our own strength and in our own power, we're going to be able to do that, we're not. This letter that we're going to be reading over the next few weeks, is packed with so much wisdom, you guys. So much practical, good stuff that we can apply to our lives. But I'm telling you, if you're just going to try and take those principles and just apply them in your own strength, you cannot get there from here. You are sitting at Reagan National Airport when you must be at Dulles International Airport. The reality is this. God never intended us to do this journey on our own. Never did. We are made for relationships with other people, and we're made for a relationship with God. And that is how Paul finds joy in jail, and that's ultimately how we're going to get where God wants to take us. Now, from there, Paul expands upon this notion that Jesus Christ is, is his starting point, his foundation. And the next like 10 or so verses are so incredibly powerful. I cannot tell you, but here's the, here's the thing. We, pretty much all of us do this. That we'll read this passage, this is what we do. We completely miss the power in it. We, we miss the relevance in it for our lives, and here's why. There's some big theological words in there, and we fixate on them, and we start to do some theological thumb wrestling. And and instead of allowing the truth of this passage to permeate our lives, we just sit there and go, oh, I wonder what that's about. And you start thinking about that and having arguments about it. And there's a place for that. And we're actually going to take a couple minutes to do that right now. And then we're going to put it to the side. So check this out. See what what words might cause you to go, hmm. All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So again, Paul's saying we're praising God. And here's why. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Now, for most of us, what kind of jumps out as a little interesting is this idea that God chose us before the creation of the world. And then there's this big P word that we've been predestined. And so when we take this little slice of the bible and we if we kind of cut that out in our bible and just have it over here in isolation it's a very dangerous thing because the kind of conversations and the kind of thoughts that we have start running through our brains is okay so if this is true that god like has pretty much orchestrated things from the beginning of the creation of the world and if this is pretty much predestined this is the way it's going to go down then like i mean i mean what does that mean for us? It sounds like everything's kind of been predetermined. There doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of choice or free will in this whole thing, and this is a big theological argument about predestination and free will. And I just want to let you know that the Bible is so incredibly clear on the fact that we have free will. We absolutely have choices in this life. I just want to show you a couple verses. The first one is from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 19. And God is speaking to his people, the Israelites. And this is what he says. He says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Check out what he says next. Now choose life He's saying, you have a choice to make. I have a plan, I've set things before you, I have chosen you, but you have a choice. The most famous words of Jesus, quoted more than any other passage, pretty much everyone in this room, I bet has heard this at least once, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, John 3, 16. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying, we have a choice to make. There's something that we must do. God sent his son, but we have to believe. We have a choice that we need to make. And so here's the bottom line with this whole predestination free will thing. Now, it's a little paradoxical and it's a little mind-blowing, but just, just try and stay with me if you can. Is it possible that things could be laid out, that we could actually be chosen And yet, at the same time, that we could have a choice. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. It's it's paradoxical to our finite human mind, which, I'll remind you, Einstein, I think, postulated that we know like 2% of everything that there probably is to know. So is it possible that maybe we can't grasp this one? But in God's economy, we can actually be chosen, and yet somehow we still have a choice. You know, Christianity is full of paradoxes, right? You know this. I'll share with you just three. So the Bible it was written by human hands, yet it's the inspired words of God. Jesus Christ, he was fully human and yet fully divine. In fact, that's what we talked about in our foundations course that Brian's teaching last week. The whole time wrestled with the humanity of Jesus and what that means for us. How can someone be 100% human and 100% divine all at the same time? That's 200%. That doesn't make any sense. It's a paradox. Last one. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, putting your faith in Jesus doesn't all of a sudden mean that you're just perfect in every way, right? Or does it? You see, every day we make mistakes, we mess up. We're not perfect, totally imperfect people, even as followers of Jesus. Yet, we're told that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we are declared righteous. We're declared perfect, blameless in the eyes of God. We're both imperfect and perfect all at the same time. Lots of paradoxes. Is it possible that we could be chosen and yet still have a choice? Because if you read the Bible, you're going to find both. So what I want you to do is I, I want you to take the theology that we just talked about, and I want you just to, to lay it to the side for a minute. Just take that part of your brain and just kind of put it in a parking lot right over here. Because I do not want you to miss the power of these next few verses. We so often completely miss them because we're too busy hung up on this whole thing. So put that to the side for a minute. For a minute. and And here is what I want to try and challenge you with as you as you just sit back and you listen to these verses. And this is especially important if you're here and you would consider yourself a pretty skeptical person. Like you have a lot of questions, you need a lot of evidence for things. Like you just you don't buy in easily. That very much is my personality. I'm highly skeptical of things. And so if that is you, could you just do this for me? Could you just do this? Just for the next 2 minutes, could you suspend judgment? And could you actually open up your mind, open up your mind to this idea? What if these words are actually God's plan for your life? Okay, just just suspend everything, just for a minute. What if, everybody, what if this actually is God's plan? Crazy as it might sound, what if it's actually God's plan? You ready? With that in mind, this is actually, maybe, could it be God's plan for your life? Let me read it to you. So we're praising God for all that he's done. And here's why. Paul's writing to Christians. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. That means he adopted us into the family of God. We're children of the most high God. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, meaning in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Now what that means is that if you've ever kind of wondered, God is so mysterious, and I just wish I could know more about God and and his will for my life, and how does it all work, and could God just you know show me? Well, he has shown us. He's actually come down to this earth, taken on human flesh to show us himself. That's what he's saying there, purposed in Christ to to make clear his will and the mystery of who God is. And then it says, when you believe, when you believe in Jesus, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And this is simply what Jesus promised us. He said, if you put your faith in me, if you will just admit that you can't do this all on your own, you can't get to heaven all on your own. If you would just put your faith in me and surrender your life to me, he promises us his spirit, the spirit of the living God to reside in us, to take us places we could never go on our own. So it says, We are given this promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, that's meaning heaven, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Powerful stuff. Let me just tell you, if you're here today and you've been wrestling, you've been trying to figure out, you've been wondering, why am I here and what am I doing and what is the reason for all this? I want to tell you something. We are not the result of some cosmic accident. We're not. We are here on purpose for a purpose. Bottom line. And we have been created for a relationship with God. We have been adopted in. We have been chosen by the most high God, to be his children. Do we have a choice to make? Absolutely we have a choice to make. Have we been chosen? Yes, we have been chosen to be adopted into God's family. You know what the most awesome thing about that Brazil trip was, besides actually making that flight? Just being around that family. Like we went down there to do some work and all that stuff, and that was great, okay? But... It was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my life because I don't know if you've had a time when you just, it was like the spirit of God was just palpable, but this was one of those moments for me. So there's just kids everywhere, man. You know, it's like a sea of chaos, all right, down there. Organized chaos. But I've got to tell you, okay, knowing where many of these kids came from And I didn't know all the details, didn't want to know all the details, but we spent a day kind of touring around the streets of some of the worst parts of Brazil. And then we arrive at the Charisma house, and you guys, the smiles on these kids' faces. We had a guy on our trip who was just clicking photographs. And these are actual pictures from the trip, actual pictures of Charisma kids. And I'm telling you, this isn't like, a smile for the camera, you know? No, 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 no. This was, this, was just, this was just the whole week. And I gotta tell you guys, it's not just the smiles. I hope you can see what's behind the smiles. I mean, you weren't there, and I understand that, but, but the sense of true, sheer joy, the sense of peace that these kids had, this, the sense of belonging, they, they carry the same last name, right? They have been chosen. They have been adopted by this incredible couple. And now they're a part of this unbelievable family. And all the chaos and all the junk and all the stuff. Yeah, I mean, does that still have residual? Sure, of course it does. And is this like everything's just perfect and we were all singing kumbaya all week and there was like never any problems in sibling rivalry? Of course not. I mean, can you imagine having like 30 siblings? I mean, it wasn't perfect. But just that sense of family, that sense of unconditional love. These kids were just basked in it. They were just emanating. You know what I'm saying? Can you see it in their faces? Just emanating, radiating it. It's absolutely awe-inspiring. And their story is our spiritual story. This is crazy. And some of you, like, you can't even wrap your mind right now, okay? It's okay. But we are adopted children of the Most High God. I don't know, you know, what your experience was with your earthly parents, your earthly father. I don't know what your childhood was like, but I'm here to tell you that there is a heavenly father and he is absolutely crazy about you. He loves you because he actually made you. And I want to tell you something. Those Charisma kids, the reason that they were so joyful and just so just peaceful and wonderful was because they were home. They were truly home. And there are some of you who are here this morning and you've been wrestling with who Jesus is and you've been wrestling with, with God and, and, and it's been a battle. And, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And I just want to tell you that maybe today is your day to come home. Maybe your day, today is your day where you just say, you know what? I, I know that my heavenly father has arms outstretched. And maybe today's the day where you're just going to stop fighting it we're just going to come home and experience this unconditional love and grace. And I'm telling you, there's nothing greater. It doesn't mean that every day from from this moment forward, when you make that decision, it's going to be all wine and roses, you know. It's just all going to be pretty. It's just this cakewalk from here. Oh, no, Jesus was clear. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But I've overcome it. I've overcome it. And so there's still gonna be earthly circumstances, but we're talking for a minute about spiritual blessings and realities. And there's joy that can transcend that and peace that can anchor you in the middle of a storm. Maybe today is your day to come home. I encourage you to do that. And this, this is our starting point in our journey. I want to leave you with one last question and then our music team going to come up and close us with a song that's inspired by this passage, actually. And here's the question. Which airport do you find yourself in? So I find that if I'm not careful, I will, I will be at Reagan National. And I'm trying to do it all in my strength. I'm just trying to muster enough determination and grit and will and passion and everything just to do it on my own and I, I put my faith in Jesus a long time ago, so I'm not just talking to those of you who are still kind of wrestling with, with accepting God into your life and what that looks like. I'm talking to those of us who maybe did this a long time ago. But it's real easy to do that and think, cool, I got my ticket into heaven and I'm good, and then you're just doing it in your own power, you're doing it in your own strength. Prayer is an absolute last resort when you're running, running into problems. This is not the airport that ultimately we're gonna get to go to the places that God wants to take us. It's over here, this airport. You gotta come to Dulles, okay? If you have baggage from Dulles, scars, you know, bad experiences, just put that to the side. It's cool, okay? Because Dulles Airport, as we say, God, I do need you, as we sang just before this message started. I do need you. I can't do this all on my own. I need your spirit to help me. That's our starting point. That's where God is gonna take us places that we cannot go on our own. We can be the husbands and the fathers that we need to be. We can be the girlfriends and the sisters that we need to be. We can be the kind of people that God wants us to be. But we can't do it from Reagan National. we got to get over here to Dulles. It starts by saying, Jesus, I need you. You are my starting point. Let your spirit come and help me to do what you want me to do. So the team's going to play this song. It's, uh, it's a great song. We sang it, the first song in the opener. It's called Adopted by the King, inspired by this text. And here's what I want you to do. There's two groups of you in this room. The first group of you, you'll hear these words, you'll say, yes, I believe that, absolutely. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to praise God. Maybe not for the earthly realities. Maybe you find yourself in a prison cell experience right now in your life, metaphorically. But hey, we can praise God for still what he's done for us. And I want you to stand and do that, okay? The second group of you, you're still trying to figure this whole thing out. And maybe instead of singing, you just sit there in silence and you're just praying. God, I want to I be there. I want to be praising. I want to be focused there. I can't. I can't get there. We got a prayer team that's going to be standing right up here along this wall. They'd love to pray for you about that or anything else. Okay? Or maybe you just want to pray right in your seat, whatever that you want to do. But um, we're going to stand together. If you could stand with me now, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing out this last song. And then we're going to go get some good food at those food trucks. God, we just want to say thank you. Because you are a God who wants to take us places. Lord, there are places that you want us to go. And Lord, it's so easy for us in our own strength, and our own mentality to think that we can do it all on our own. God, just remind all of us, remind me, I can't get there on my own. I'm not supposed to do this all on my own. I'm not wired that way. Lord, help us to get from Reagan to Dulles and help us to fix our eyes on heavenly realities and spiritual blessings so that we, just like Paul, may find joy in the jail cells of our lives. And that we, by your spirit and your power, may be able to go where you want to take us. And Lord, finally, I just want to pray for those who've been wrestling with you, who've been fighting with you, who are still fighting right now in this moment. God, I pray you would visit with them right now and you would tell them, come home. Come home. I'm your Father. I love you. Come home. Come home. You're mine. I've chosen you. It's your choice, but come home. Lord, we thank you for those who are doing that right now in this room. We give you all the praise. You are our ultimate starting point. We thank you for that, Father, for the places that we're going to go with your help in Christ's name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.